Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Yes, I mean, um, I, it just feels like I'm here with family sharing with you. And, uh, you know, so many years we've walked together. Um, usually our beloved summer fire. Today is not summer, but I hope there is fire. Um, I bring you greetings from uh, Pastor Carter, from all the people here at Summit Church, from Sam, who is with me behind the other side of the camera, and all the TSC crew. So everyone is just rejoicing with you that the Lord has been faithful and he has brought you back. And I want to share a message this morning about don't go back, not going back to what was. And um, I'm just, just uh, before I start, I just, uh, and bring all the greetings, I just want to tell you, share some really great news that uh, Pastor Carter and I have. Uh, we're about to become grandparents for the ninth time. And uh, we're so excited. We have eight grandchildren. This is the ninth. And um, it's our son, Jared and Julie. So they already have two children, Blake, he's six, and Charlie, she is four. And now they have another one. But when they were trying to tell their six-year-old Blakey um, the news, they decided to break the news to him by giving him the picture of the ultrasound, uh, the three-month-old ultrasound. So they put the ultrasound in Blake's hand and they said, Blakey, they said, what do you think that is? And he looks down and he stares at it and he goes, uh, a raccoon. So uh, after all the laughter subsided, they told him, no, 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 Blakey, it's a baby. We're going to have a baby. And, and he seems so confused. And he looks at the picture and then he goes, well, is it a, is it a boy or a girl? And they said, no, we, we don't know. And he goes, well, just look on the order. You know, he's an Amazon kid. It should all be printed out when you get a picture of things. And they said, no, no, Blakey, no, there is nothing on the order. We, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. And then he, he grew really anxious and he goes, but he said, when the baby's born, the baby has no hair. So we're not going to know for a while if it's a boy or a girl. As to him, the girls will... If it's a girl, she'll grow long hair. And so he's, he's, he had a lot of anxiousness around this news and couldn't fully understand what was going on. But then all of a sudden he said, you know, I always thought we were only going to be two, meaning him and his sister, Charlie. I always thought we were going to be two, but now we're going to be three. And when that hit him, even though he couldn't understand everything, but there was this thought, now we're going to be more. And it's like the faith rose up in the heart of a little child. And it's like he was saying, with God, now we are going to be more. And uh, that's what I really believe is a prophetic word for you here in Cork. God is about to make you more, many more. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about all we've been going through worldwide. It's not just an Irish thing, this worldwide pandemic, not a New York thing, a Pennsylvania thing. 
And it's a worldwide pandemic that I believe has taught us to think differently. Two years ago, we would have scoffed at a worldwide pandemic. We would have scoffed. That's, that's, it's not possible to shut down the economies of the world in a short time. It is not possible to shutter a school system worldwide. It is not possible that the airlines be reduced to empty seats. It's not possible that social rec regulations, things on meetings and funerals and churches, that these regulations would be so drastic and shut us down. It didn't seem possible that a rule to keep us locked, so to speak, in our homes could come so swiftly and so completely. But it did. It happened. Two years ago, what seemed impossible in our thinking, we'd have all kinds of reasons and understandings why it would never happen, but it has. And because it happens, I believe we are thinking differently. And what we are and how we're thinking differently is if this could happen so unexpected and so quickly, what could happen next? Because now the impossible doesn't seem so impossible anymore. And I believe this whole situation is a sign for the church because I hope that we are going to come to the same conclusion, spiritually speaking, that now coming through COVID, we are coming to the conclusion that nothing is impossible, even spiritually speaking. You know, we believe we can come through a pandemic and we can almost liken ourselves to the dry bones. There were these dead dry bones and they were very dry. And a question was put, can these bones live? And the prophet wasn't sure what to say, but when he came to the conclusion, oh, you know, Lord, he was reminding us, Lord, you are the offended party. But if you choose to be merciful in this time, these bones can live. And God was so pleased that he'd come to this conclusion, Lord, if you, who are the offending party, where the, the worldwide people live in such flagrant sin, and your house can be compromised and distant from you, but if you choose to be merciful at the time you choose to be merciful, then these bones can live. And because of that, God began to show Ezekiel that in this moment, he could put from dry bones, an exceeding great spiritual army on its feet. You know, Moses was put in an impossible situation and he had an old way of thinking when God began to speak to him and Moses was in Midian and God began to call him and say, I have something. You live in a momentous time, Moses, and it is time that I'm going to bring great national deliverance. And I'm going to bring it through you. And I'm going to raise up people out of a place of death and take them out. And Moses uh, had all kinds of reasons and even argued with God why that can't happen. Why it can't be him and really in some ways why it shouldn't even be the people of God. He told him I can't speak. And maybe he was very aware of the mentality the bondage mentality of the people that he would be trying to lead. They were so steeped in a bondage mentality, living in such a, a hard and a dark time. But God overrode his fears, overrode his insecurities, 
and even sent his brother Aaron with him. And he stood before Pharaoh, and when he did that, everything went wrong. Pharaoh more or less scorned him, and it was told Moses the first time he stood before Pharaoh, you know something? You're too idle. And these people, they are too idle. What you have to do is make bricks. The, bat, the tally of bricks must ma be maintained, and we will give you even less than we've been giving you to do that. And beloved, it always seems like the start of a national revival always starts in hard places and hard times. And God knows how to get our attention. And God knows how to open our eyes to the dire situations that we're in. And these people that were on the brink of a breakout of God, of a, of a move of God unprecedented in their time, were so in bondage. They were sitting in bitterness and anger and despair when the Lord found them and through his servant Moses. But the Lord sent a remarkable word to Moses, and you can read it in Exodus 6.1. He said, then the Lord said to Moses, now, in this time, now you shall see what I will do. And beloved, I believe this is the time we are in where it's like, Lord, if we're going to see anything, now we have to see what it is that you can do. You know the state that we have been in. You know all we have gone through. And I hope we come to the same conclusion of being able to hear what Moses heard and was able to move forward on that because I've created in a time and a situation that now you shall see what I will do. I believe that's what God is seeing. Speaking to us now, worldwide, the church wide over. It's like God shook this church. He has sifted us. He has emptied us out of our churches. And we have been returned now, but not with an old way of thinking, but with the realization we truly are dry, dead bones, except the spirit of God come and quicken us. And I believe our faith has been stripped down to a place. It's not a lot of fancy things added to our faith, but it's a stripped down faith where Jesus, only you are important. Only you, oh God, I want to walk with you to please you. Lord, you have been faithful to me and you have shaken and sifted. But Lord, I don't feel strong. I can feel like a dead bone. But if it's in the time of a dead bone that you put an exceedingly great army on its feet. Don't let me miss the moment of joining that army. It so resonates that Moses could actually hear, now you shall see what I will do. You've run out of your excuses why it can't happen. All your cynicism, I've got your attention now. I'm going to send you to a people that it's going to be so difficult at first. You're going to begin to speak to them and they can't grasp it. They can't understand what it is that I'm doing. But you know, Moses, because you know now is the time you are going to see what I shall do. And that's the kind of faith now that is being birthed in the heart of the church because nothing else, frankly, will do. It resonates that to me that Pharaoh representing a spirit of intimidation and bondage rules over the spiritual life of the nations. A, a Pharaoh-like spirit, it is intimidating. It is in bondage. And there seems to be no way out.
But Moses represents the few who want to believe more, want to trust more, represents those that believe the only answer, Lord, it's up to you to deliver us. And I stand in the line of the willing. Mercy and grace of God, putting our trust in the mercy and the grace of God when he is choosing to be merciful is the key for people to go. I'm here, Lord. I'm here. Arms wide open with an unfeigned faith, knowing truly who we are apart from him. And having come back to church this morning, it's like we've assembled. You look on your left and your right, and there are people beside you. You're not alone in your houses anymore. You are actually seeing with your eyes of people being regathered. And I believe in this mercy moment, if the spirit of God would blow on us, if a few people could believe it's not the end of things, but the beginning of things, that it's like a national deliverance, spiritual deliverance that God wants to bring because he has our attention and we know our need and we know how desperate we know there is a bondage and intimidation in our society as never before. But that kind of people are the ones that can if there's going to be any deliverance, can only look up. Let us be the Moseses. Let me be a Moses that can hear and believe when you say, now you shall see what I will do. Oh, yea, Lord, let it be so. This year at the school, we had the theme, the year of trust. And I believe it was prophetic. These young students who graduated last Saturday in a very, beautiful ceremony here last Saturday. You can see it online. Um, they had quite a year. They came to school not fully believing that we would be able to stay open the whole year. They had to come masked up even in their dorms. They had to socially distance. Didn't feel like college at all. They would have to come into this very room, which was turned into a classroom with big dividers between them. They had to we had to contend for the right to stay open, even in the midst of our own fears and doubts in our own minds, fearing what would a pandemic look like if it hit our shores here on campus. The second, in January, when we came back in the second semester, COVID did hit. And the staff here had to bring meals to people, had to take temperatures, had to drive people to testing centers, had to counsel and pray with those students that found themselves in quarantine. We had to count off the numbers of rooms and knew how close we were to being so stretched and strained to the limit that we would have to close. But we prayed and we believe the word of the Lord that we would stay open this year, that he would make a way for us. And in that strained capacity, that relentless schedule of classes, tutoring, feeding people, guiding people, events planning went on. And eventually we were able to live family style, take our masks off, and we were able to stay open. And we all came through healthy and graduated. And that story in the year of trust is only the outside of the cup. The inner work of what went on in the lives of students was real. They were challenged by this idea of trusting God in a year of trust when it had to be um, they had to trust God for so many things to be able to remain here 
this year. And Thomas Flack, uh, one of your own from Kilkenny, Ireland, was the class president. And he spoke for many of the students at our graduation when he spoke so movingly of what it meant for a young man, what it meant for young students to trust God in a COVID time. As we begin to see that trust, not just um, stamp their character, but it also informed their faith and how they were going to believe God. We have been challenged to go deeper in this year of trusting God. Beloved, we're very, very familiar with that Proverbs. The proverb in it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I want to say that the direction that the Lord wants to take us on has to be one of supernatural faith. Where we will be caused to live by the spirit of God. Where we will be drawn to prayer as never before. And because of that, we are going to have to be a church that will move out. Outside the buildings where we so gladly gather. But now is the time to believe God, to open our mouths and to move out, to tell the most wonderful story we know. Because there is a hurting and a hungry world waiting for us. And when it says trust in the Lord, trust is truly trust when it's with all our heart. And my prayer today is, Lord, where there's any place we want to draw back in unbelief, I thank you, you know about it. But you're asking us. To say, no, Lord, by faith, I'm going to give you all my heart. I'm going to give you every place of my heart because you, you are here to help us and you are worthy of trust. You are worthy of trust. You've been nothing but faithful throughout this pandemic. You are worthy of our trust. And so we declare today, we want to trust you with all our heart. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. Help us, as we say here, to doubt our doubts. God, give us the grace to doubt our doubts. When we want to doubt you, let us doubt our doubts and not doubt you. Thank you, Lord, that my cry, Lord, to trust you with all my heart, no matter how dry these bones, no matter how difficult the experience has been, is my way forward because you are coming to marvelously help. Those will say, I am all in, oh God, to trust you for the next steps in this season of my life, of our church's life, and of our national life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Faith, I, I wrote here, trust is faith that is being tested. Trust is faith that is being tested. When faith is being tested, it's being transformed into trust. And there's something very, very beautiful about trust. It's rare. And it's special. I read a quote once that someone said, I'd rather be trusted than loved even. Something about that quality to trust is not human. It is not natural to the human heart to trust. But the Lord is saying, I want you to trust me. Because in this time that I'm leading you through, I want to do exceedingly abundantly in your heart and life, in your family's life. I want to answer prayer spectacularly. And where the enemy thinks he has us in retreat, I'm going to so fool him 
because now is the time you're going to see what I can do. And lean not on your own understanding. Beloved, if we will not trust our own understanding of spiritual things, if we won't trust our own understanding in spiritual matters, that will always lead us to prayer. Because we have to lean on something. We have to have an understanding of something. And if our own thoughts are insufficient, and if our own understanding needs to go higher, then we need God's thoughts, and he's so happy to give them. Then we need God promises, and they are there for us in the word of God. So if we will not lean on our own understanding, we're going to naturally God go, God, you've got to give me an understanding heart for the time I live in. You've got to give me an understanding of your promises that are true. You've got to give me the boldness to stand up now that you will cause these dry bones to live because you always, when we are in unprecedented times and you're about to do something unprecedented, there is always hardship at the beginning. There is always much that wants to sit on our faith. There's always much like Moses when the people went, look, you went to speak on our behalf and it's just gotten harder for us. But Moses heard the word, now you shall see what I will do. And because he had that in his heart, he kept moving forward to little by little. God was faithful to move in the miraculous till the people's heart began to believe. Yes, we are truly living in a time where God wants to sweep the churches because we've been ready, made ready. These dead bones are being made ready to believe because what else have we? I thank God my own thoughts are insufficient and I need to go higher. How else will we understand or believe for a great spiritual route that the Lord wants to bring against the kingdom of darkness at this time? When the army is made up of dry bones, dead bones, caused to live by the Holy Spirit. Why should we believe for anything less? Because everything around us speaks that we are in the moment where God wants, is choosing to be merciful, I believe, to the whole face of the earth. He has gotten the world's attention and we know that the plans of man and how to get us out of this time are more than insufficient. But God is saying that I want to be your understanding. I want to be your strength. And as the world grows darker, you will be full of light. As the world is in chaos, we, the people of God, will be filled with a peace because we will acknowledge God in all our ways, plainly declaring, I need him. I need him to keep shining. I need him to keep renewing my heart in a, in a supernatural way. I need to move out when everything wants me to stay hiding, when everything wants me to stay indoors, when everything wants me to stay behind a mask. I need your spirit to stand up and move. But I believe this is your time to put a great spiritual army on its feet. So I acknowledge I need you, Lord. I am dependent on you. And I am delighted to be dependent on you. And he says, he shall direct your path. People who trust have directed lives. People who trust God, their lives, the steps of their lives are ordered, as we heard Pastor Nick say this morning. They have directed lives. There is a purpose to their present. And there is a peace that passes 
all understanding. You know, I, I don't want, I don't want my own plans for my own life. I don't want to be in charge. I actually want, Lord, what is it that you have for me? I've walked with you all these years and you have never failed me. I have walked with you in my failures, in my fears, and you have never forsaken me. And you have been so faithful to me. And now I don't want any other path. And beloved, I believe that's the reward of the righteous. It becomes more and more what we want is, Lord, would you cause me, Lord, to trust you more and to believe you more? And the way that a directed life shows up can be found in Acts chapter 3. What does it look like? I love uh, Acts chapter 3. It comes, oddly enough, after Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And to me, it's a picture of what happens next. You see, the men and women were found in an upper room in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And it's like they were quarantined in the upper room. They were gathered together, shut in. They were in fear. They were in despair. They had seen Jesus from time to time. And, and, but anxiety was bigger than their fear. And they were visited by the Holy Spirit. And when they were visited, it, it's like a life source greater than their fear invaded them and they were put on their feet and they were led out of that upper room. And when they were led out of that place of quarantine, the first thing that happened was Acts chapter three, their first encounter with their world again. How did this people coming out of quarantine, but touched by the Holy spirit, stepping out into their world, their reentry, how did they engage that world? And Acts chapter 3 shows us that even though the, the times were extremely hostile, and even though what they were asked and challenged to do was to, to let the whole world know who Jesus Christ was, that, that task seemed too big. That task would seem like too much for any group of people. But they weren't dismayed. They weren't overcome by the enormity of their task. What they did was, it says in Peter and and uh, for um, Peter and John, they went to the temple in the hour of prayer. Now they're going to a place of prayer. They were gathering together to pray. And can I read to you, and if you would like to read with me, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, it says this. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Beloved, when these people reengaged with the world around them, they had 
they had been gone through the lowest period of their time, stuck in quarantine, in fear and trembling. They were visited by the Holy Spirit. And they were in, in that power of the Holy Spirit. They got up and they re-engaged their world. And they were found going to a prayer meeting, assembling together. And on their way, they met somebody outside in such need. And I believe this is how the church began. And this is how the church will end. We will be people filled with the Holy Spirit, with our steps directed. We will know there is no power in ourselves, but we will acknowledge him. We will not lean on our own understanding when it comes to people in great need around us, but we will ask for the wisdom from above. We will ask, oh God, give me power to speak your name. Oh God, whatever comes to me to do, please let me be obedient. Let me step into this open door in this open time where I have an impossible task before me, but I, and, and the, the enemy would have me think it's such a hostile world, but they're about to find out hungry and hurting people are more than ready to hear. And God is ready to back that, that speaking with miracles. And they said, what I have, there are some things Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. And that's so struck out to me. Beloved, we don't, there are things that we don't have, but it's been overshadowed by what we do have. I think for so often we get stuck down in conversations about what I don't have. But when they re-engage their world, what was greater was what they did have. What was more dominant is what they did have in Jesus Christ. It's like a new understanding of who he was to them and his heart for people was birthed in them that would allow them to boldly fasten their eyes on people. People weren't invisible to them anymore. They weren't afraid of people because the Lord was with them and they had a resource they knew that could be spiritually stirred. They were a people of prayer and so they were going to be directed into the lives of people who were going to be touched by the power of God through them. They were bold enough to say, look on us. Beloved, that takes the greatest trust, I think, in the world. When you can draw attention to yourself and say, I don't have what it is you think you need, but what I do have is what you desperately need. And in the name of Jesus, be rise and be healed. And they took him by their right arm, that symbol that God is with them, and lifted him up. I'm telling you, the same anointing is on us now that are coming out of quarantine. If we can trust him, if we will believe it, now is the time that the Lord is saying, now I'm going to show you what I can do. I believe it's the same hour and the same time. It do not focus on what you don't have. Do not focus on how tough it has been. Do not focus and go back there, but focus what we have in Jesus Christ because he is with us. And this is his hour to cause dry bones to live, to stand as an exceedingly great army. If we will focus on what we have, we will find out Jesus Christ is more than enough. He is life. He gives life. He gives supernatural life. He gives the life that the human heart craves for. And beloved, if we will step boldly out, he will anoint us. Do not stay back and do not hang back. Last Tuesday at the Worldwide Prayer Meeting, 
or we gather on Tuesday nights. We just pray for people and we weren't feeling especially holy, wasn't especially amazing. But somebody the next day wrote in and said, I was completely healed from longstanding, long-term chronic pain. I was healed. You were praying for me and I felt the power of God come. And they stood up and they wrote the next day, I am healed, praise God, from a prayer meeting. In another place in Plymouth, Massachusetts, uh, people opened their home and they started saying to young people, 30 and under, come, come, come into our home. Come watch this prayer meeting. Come pray with us. And they would just sit there and they would watch people pray and have people pray for them. And last Tuesday night, one of the young men stood up in the midst of all of them and he declared, I am going with God. He was touched of God in that living room. He was touched of God in that prayer. The supernatural broke in and broke the doubt and broke the fear. And the church that had gathered around him praying were rejoicing that the power of God had come into their midst. Beloved, I believe this is the hour that we are in. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings for what we need in the hour we live in. Oh, beloved, let us not pull back. If, we, if, G, if God, our Father, has not withheld his Son to us, then he will not withhold spiritual blessings. He will not withhold spiritual power. He will not withhold spiritual vision to those who ask for it and are willing to walk in it and to be directed by it. Beloved, we don't have to be perfect to have this happen. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all together. You know, when I look at it theologically, even you know, when I look through history, God sent revivals on very different kinds of people, <laughs> people that didn't even theologically agree with each other. In God's time and season, he would visit a group of people and bring because they just had a heart for him. Do you have a heart for him today? Because you are qualifying for the spirit of God to visit you if you will rise up. And don't lean on your own understanding on spiritual matters and begin to follow him with all your heart. I am promising you, you and I are living in this day of putting a spiritual army on its feet, ready to move out and ready to move in the miraculous. Rise, beloved, and receive. Rise and receive. Rise and receive the love of God into your heart. Sin has a momentary thrill, but nothing compares to the love of Jesus that can occupy and fill your heart. Resist when the enemy tries to bring that doubt into you. Doubt your doubts. Beloved, the love of Christ cleanses and restores us every time we need it to. If we will but trust, Lord, you can do a work in me that will bring glory to your name then I will rise. Have your way in my life is the prayer he always answers. And I'm thinking, I just want to close in John 4. There was a woman alone, rejected and hurt. She was a Samaritan, but Jesus was interested in her. 
but Jesus was interested in her. In fact, he said, I must go to Samaria. I must visit her. And beloved, you know, the, she, that woman, when Jesus came to have that conversation with her, like, I hope Jesus is having a conversation with you right now. She had to trust that the love of grace, the love and grace of God in Jesus Christ that was speaking to her, who was speaking to her, that he found her in places where she had been rejected. The grace and love of God found her in a place where she had been rejected. The grace and love of God had found her in a place where she had been neglected. The grace and love of God found her in a place where she was grieving. The grace and love of God found her in a place where she thought she could be all alone, far from the eyes of men and outside of their fellowship because she was unworthy. Because it was too hard for her. It was better to hide at noon than to be among others. Because all she knew was rejection. But Jesus came to her and offered her living water. She thought, that's great. I don't have to. I'm going to miss some hard work. No, no, no. He was saying, I'm talking about what I want to do in your spirit, in your heart. I want, I'm talking about how I want something springing up in you that will live forever. I'm talking about something springing up in you that others want. I'm talking about something that is so refreshing and life-giving that you can't help but not just draw it up for me and you, but you have to give it away. And the scripture tells us she ran back into her village and she told a hostile village. She said, I want to tell you about a man, Messiah, who spoke to me and who told me, uh, he talked to me about theology. He said that it's when I was at Jacob's well and I had so many questions, but he told me that there was a time coming and now is when those who would worship the father would worship him in spirit and in truth. It wasn't about a religiousness. It wasn't about regulations. It was about a heart that could be touched by the love and grace of Jesus Christ, that they would trust it, that he could find them and they could rise. And her immediate result was to run back into a hostile town and say, come and hear about a man who told me about everything I've ever done. And in knowing all about me, he loves me still. Beloved, what a testimony. I have a God who knows everything about me. He, there is not one thing about you, not one thing about me that he does not already know about us. He understands us more than we understand ourselves. And knowing all this, he loves him. He loves us. And she ran back to that hostile place and she said, come Come and hear and meet this man that will give you two living water springing up in you all the time. When Peter and John said, look on us, they weren't saying, look at me. They were saying, look at the Jesus in me. Look at him who is in me. And I pray, Lord, I pray when we boldly do that. That the Jesus in us is not covered. I believe that if we will take this bold stand, we will shine for him. 
If we will move out and believe now is the time where the Lord says, now I will show you what I can do. You know, beloved, we smile at my Blakey story at the beginning when I told you my grandson really didn't understand what he was holding in his hand. The picture of that ultrasound and the life it represented. And we can smile at him being so anxious of figuring out how are we ever going to know if it's a boy or a girl. And these things are far beyond his small mind. But it shall be revealed. And beloved, we can have the same anxiousness. We can hold in our hands. And we look at something and it's so full of life. And it so has the ability we will no longer be two, but we will be three. We will be four. We will be much more. We will become much more. And we don't know what it is we are looking into sometimes like Blakey. But beloved, whether we understand it or not, the spirit of God is witnessing to us. We are living in unprecedented times. And we are living in a time and an age that God wants to do so much more than we can imagine if we will trust him. If we will trust him while it's our portion to live in this unprecedented time. There is going to be a great end time sweep of souls worldwide coming into the kingdom of God. And I say, if we stand up, we will be part of this great end time army. That this is, I believe, Pharaoh has been commanded to let his people go. I believe we live under a time where the decree, where the powers of darkness must give way to the people of light who are trusting their God. So beloved, no matter what this season has been for you, I believe that you and I want to trust God as never before. We want to believe the promises, knowing we don't have to be perfect. We just have to keep looking at Christ as we look at others and they will see him in us. The scripture says that we will be made willing in the day of his power. And I believe his power is here. His supernatural power has come among us. And we've been shaken out of the old way and the old thinking to some degree of how we do church. We've been brought down to a stripped down faith where we know it is Jesus and Jesus alone. And that's enough to shake our worlds. So no more hiding. Let's step out like they did in Acts 3. Not a time for retreat. And I just want to say, beloved, pray. Pray. And then pray for people's healings. Lay hands on them and pray for healing. Open your homes. Let fellowship start. And around that fellowship, let there be a time of prayer and Bible reading and study. Lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. Open your heart to young people. Pray for them. Encourage them. Listen to them. You know, it says that if speaking is silver, then listening is gold. Listen to them. Walk with them. Encourage them. Be available to them. 
They are facing a world that they are looking to us in a sense of how, what does faith look like? We must allow them to walk alongside us and pour into them, make place for them. God is going to visit them. And the promise that the latter house, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. Encourage them in this word that God has them. God will use them. God has a purpose to them that they have been raised up for such a time as this because we have been raised up. It's not an empty faith we are preaching. Send them to places where they can be trained. And I know a good school they can go to. Beloved, now is the time to think differently. Not same old, same old church, but to think differently, to think biblically. This is not a season of defeat. This is a season to trust and to step into the miracles of God that are waiting for us in this end time move of God. My altar call, I know that Pastor Nick, We'll be able to so follow up on this. But my altar call is, oh God, let me be part of that end time army. Visit these dry bones, oh God. I am fully aware of who I am apart from you. But I know who I am in you. I'm not going to focus on what I have not. But I am focusing on what I have in Jesus Christ. So visit me, Holy Spirit. And prepare me to send out and to move out. Because this hurting, hungry world is waiting. And the harvest is great. We will not be in retreat but our pray- when our prayer is, Lord, visit me and send me out. I know I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Nick. I pray, oh God, that these few words have touched you and have stirred you. It's a time to believe him as never before. And if we go together as that army, God is going, the mercy of God is going to sweep our families and our nation for a revival. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.